Welcome, I'm John Lynch and I'm the host of The Discarded Compass, the podcast for the seasoned seeker. If this resonates, please subscribe to us for future episodes. So without further ado, sit back, relax and join me and my guest as we deep dive into the mystery of spiritual enlightenment. We have a great guest for you now, folks. It's Paul Morgan Summers, and Paul has been seeking since he was a child, and he's going to tell us a lot about that story now. It's a really interesting thing. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll. He'll succumb. Paul, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, John. I bet I'm you fine. haven't had Thank an introduction you. like that before, have you? <laughs> yeah. But it's fascinating that from an early age you were sort of seeking something or looking for something, even in sport, you, you were a great sportsman as well. Yeah, but isn't it, we're all, everybody's like that. Every kid is seeking something, name and fame, <clears throat> to be a pop musician, to be a, a sporting person, to be a doctor, to be a vet. You know, all my friends, well, most of my friends had dreams or to be this or that what I can remember. <clears throat> so I just wanted to be a football player. It was quite clear I wanted to, to play football as much as I could and play professionally. And so that was my, my focus. And I suppose there was a little flavour inside that desire to be a football player. Was I was within that, there was a desire. I was always interested in, in getting fitter, how far I could push myself. So I think there was two two flavors. There was an interest in how fit I could make myself, how fast could I make my brain faster, my legs faster in 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 relationship to playing football. So yeah, that was my total really interest. School was a distraction. Was there an emptiness in that in sports for you? It was. I just loved. Although it sounds crazy, I loved running around a green field, chasing around. <laughs> what I suppose I mean but like we're all there's an emptiness in achieving a goal scoring a goal winning a, winning a match and it goes on and on and on infinitum I think I'm still a youngster I was still full of of uh, of excitement and hope and desire I, you know I hadn't had this was how I was sort of 15, 16. I hadn't had any serious injuries or any serious setbacks to make me question. Everything was going ahead quite quite nicely, thank you. I was getting stronger. I was improving. I was being noticed. I was playing well. Um, I wasn't really focused. I can't remember. It's quite a while ago and my memory isn't the greatest. I can't remember... Um, being overly concerned about anything or fearful of anything. I, I certainly can't remember any sense of referencing anything as feeling a bit empty or, or anything like that. You're interested in sports and you're going to play for Wales and all this, you know, the usual thing that goes on, you know. For me, it was Manchester United, and I, you know. Yes. I was a Man, Man United fan as well. Still am. I was going to be midfielder, forward, goals. I had it all sorted, yeah? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I wanted to be in the midfield because then I could have touched the ball more often. Ah, clever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Roy Keane fan, so. Yes, yeah. very much so. What happened? What experiences happened? What happened to you when you were younger? Did it come looking for you or did you go looking for these experiences? What gravitated you um, towards? Um, no, no, they, 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 they grabbed me and sh and turned me upside down, basically. Yeah, so they came out of the blue. Um, I had no framework for them conceptually or or experientially in my body. They were, they, you know, at the time they were at times very scary, confusing, and also energetically very demanding on my body because you know they they seemed to be pushing my system to its limits. I was quite used to pushing my system to its limits. So although those sensations were slightly different, I still had the sense of, gosh, these are the, this is the limit within my body. 
you know, something could at this point could give, like a, a muscle would give or a nerve would give, something would give. But then whenever it got to that sort of point, it seemed to have its own knowledge in a way, in a sense that the intensity of the experience just went, just, it just didn't, it, it didn't continue. It just uh, depleted. Can you describe that intensity? You've got me out of talking about stuff I don't really talk about. Um, That's why I'm asking you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, because you're John. Uh, uh, so there, there were all sort. There were visual experiences, um, energetic experiences. There was the experiences of wonderful perfumes for months, which in some ways are the the perfume experiences have stayed. Their flavors have stayed in my body. A lot longer than all the uh, a lot of the other sort of like energetic intense experiences, which were like fireworks. I suppose they seem to come, you know, do what they did and and go again. This is over a period of about eighteen months in total. I just my body just one day I was just training football and I just had a, a feeling to go and sit, you know, which sometimes you do in football. It wasn't so unusual. And have a breather, have a break. But this was like quite a strong sense. And as soon as I sat, things began to change, really. My whole sense of what was the norm, the, the sense that I was a like a centre located in my body. My body was my sort of circumference, my edges, connecting with the football or my feet connected to the ground. All that began to be questioned and changed because the experiences were indicating that there was there was something else there was another possibility so over that period of months every time i sat there were different experiences but the thread running through them was that my fixed location my bodily sense was was not as fixed as i thought it was was not as solid as i thought it was was actually transient it could be that or it could be this to a point that for quite a long time the body then instead of there being a sense of a center within the body the body was literally in the center of a wider circumference a wider edge of consciousness of a sense of self of a a subject of, of a me basically the body was inside me not me inside the body which was you know weird at the time and then it became aware that this there was like a luminosity in everything i was sensing in all in the football in the grass in the goalposts, in mum and dad walking into the room my bed my pillow the space between things it seemed to be filled with this i can't think of another word this luminosity but there was still a sense of a a subject of me experiencing this bloody hell. This everything's made out of the same stuff, and that the football is literally the same as my mum. That the stuff, and uh, and my hand and my foot connecting to the football was all made out of the same luminosity. You have to be really careful with my words because I'm trying to put into language now something that I have never been able to. It was like that luminosity was, ah, it's self-luminous. There was nothing experiencing that luminosity. That was the intrinsic nature of a football, of my mum, of my foot, of my body. It was all made of the same stuff. And that I called it uh, an ocean because I grew up by the sea and I always loved the sea and... So I had no word for this luminosity. I just called it in my head, the ocean. And literally the ocean was all that there is, appearing to be whatever. And that the ocean literally is all there is. And there's nothing, no separate something that was ever separate from that, other than that. There was no separate something ever born, (laughs) ever began. (laughs) What age were you when this happened? I think that I must have been about 17 then. 
Were you able to handle it? Uh, how did you cope with it? Was it relatively easy or did you lose your mind or did you get help with the whole thing? How did you make sense well, no, of it? No, it was all, yeah, there was nothing, nothing. I didn't have words really, just I didn't know how to verbalize it or process it. It just happened. They were, you know, it was like being hit by waves. Every time I sat, there was, there was, boof, fireworks. So I didn't speak to my mum or dad or anything because I, what, what could I say? But what kept, I think what kept like the fear and the uncertainty and shit, what's going on? So like feelings in balance or at bay really was a sense of wonderment. There was such a, God, wonderment with what was being illuminated I think that, like, if you had a weighing scale, that wonderment somehow outweighed all this angst and fear and um, concern that, you know, oh, perhaps the body will die or perhaps something's going to go really skew with you and, uh, and I will go mad. It was a sort of wonderment. And <laughs> I know this sounds, people don't like me using the word, but it's almost like uh, this was falling in love with this luminosity, this intrinsic isness that wasn't in relationship to anything other than itself. <laughs> and that it was it was completely and utterly free. That wonderment. There was such a buzz to that. It counteracted all the the personal concerns, I think. It must have, otherwise I would have run for help, I think. Do you think karmically you're ready for this. Why you? I don't. See, it didn't happen to... There is nothing but the ocean. So it didn't happen. Nothing happens to a something. It's just the ocean pl playing. Be careful of some of my words. John will ask a question. And my response will be that that question doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's my initial response. But I've learned through politeness and just because it's fun to to put you've taught that me now some sort of do some sort of context to give a response. <laughs> no, it's not. No, because John is using a a tool, as it were, which is called language. Called you know, it's it's a it's a relational tool, trying to talk about something which has no relationship. But so Paul fell away, yeah? Or did you fall away permanently as such then? Or no, there you... wasn't. That's the paradox again. Yeah. At least conceptually, it's a paradox. There is nothing to fall away. But previous to this non-event, there was. There was just an ocean wanting to be a football player, a personal, successful football player. But there is no thing, no separate something doing that. But do you think awakening as such or enlightenment is the booby prize? That there's no such thing? If, if, because our normal mechanism is to want something. So, from that, in that context, yeah, this is an utter disappointment. <laughs> in that, you know, you left, as you say, like the, 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 the ticket that has nothing to it because. The paradox is that there is no, no separate something to find because there's no separate something that can be a finder. That it, it just arises from a, what I've come to call this within the five senses and the brain and the body, an edge protocol. It's a, an edge it's protocol. A yeah, it's like a, a, a pattern, a process. You could say it's an evolutionary process in the need to, the overriding movement of any pattern is to replicate, is to survive, to replicate itself. So to do that, it needs to move. And in that movement, it has one commandment, basically, don't die. When you move, don't die. So that basic pattern is at the root of all movement, no matter how sophisticated we, we clothe it. That pattern to move towards to move towards food or away, if I am food, is replicated in much more sophisticated ways 
in all the movements in the character. It's always looking for an edge. It's always looking for an edge to, to enable it to know more, to survive, to be safer, to be better. The list goes on, to be more spiritual, to be a better lover, to be a better business person, to be more peaceful, to be a sinner. It's always in a constant movement. It's a very much a utility. The five senses are a utility protocol, an edge protocol, which then became more sophisticated with the, the sophistication of the brain, basically. And when we could, the brain could create another edge called a subject, the subjective edge, then that was like rocket fuel for the human in that it was able to stand back from its stimulus response map, as it were, and overlay other possibilities, other movements. Do I just run away from a lion or can I climb a tree? Which is the better? So it began to overlay other possibilities to predict what the best movement will be for its survival. Because it didn't have the luxury to contemplate what is. (laughs) It had to move, otherwise it would be food. And it didn't need the movement to be perfect. It just needed the movement to be good enough to survive. It's like if I had to kick the ball into the back of a net, I just had to get any way possible. I'd I'd use any part of my legal part of my body to get that ball into the net. I didn't have to kick it perfectly. And it went into the top right-hand corner. Although that was fun. I just had to get the ball into the net. It didn't need to be done perfectly. I just needed to achieve that. A bit like when you use a a knife in the kitchen. It doesn't have to be perfectly sharp. sharp. It just has to be good enough to cut, to cut your tomato, to cut your loaf. And our system is like that. It has to be just good enough to move without dying. So that reminds me a bit of what the ego might be. Well, that movement, that protocol is in a sense, way before the ego came about, in the sense that we perhaps use that word today. The ego, from my perspective, obviously we all use words differently. From my, the way I think of that word was that it's the, let's go back a couple of steps. So we have that need to move, to move towards food or away if I am food. That's what the five senses we're dealing with, again, way before the brain develop language and so to predict which movement was good enough the system develops simplistic maps as it were the edges which seemed to have more significance to its survival it needed to retain those edges into some sort of map it needed to to link them to be able to map them so we developed this relationship this edge protocol we developed tuners as it were, as a utility protocol, not as the truth, just as a utility protocol. And to hold that map together, the system predicted, because it is like a predictive mechanism of how to move, predicted that there must be a separate centre to these edges. There must be a separate centre to like an apple, a lion, a tree, and this body. So that's where the original birth of, you could say, fake news Oh, I remember that now. I remember you saying that, actually, fake news. uh... Yeah. So the original fake news in life is that there is a a separate centre to an apple, to a tree, to a football, to a mum, to a dad, to a me, to a you, to an us, to a them. And the list goes on and on and on. Whereas a separate centre has never been known. All has ever been known are the relationship in that apparent gap between two things. That's where knowledge arises. We know something in comparison with a something else. We know one edge in comparison to a different edge. But we've predicted, the system predicted that they have a centre, a something. And those somethings that had most significance, including that subjective edge, we gave them a centre. So in the context of, say, this conversation, the me, the subject has a centre called me. The energetic fake news of the simplicity of this and the ego is a response to that fake news it's a response to cope with that fake news it's a response to deal with that fake news in this in a way it's a symptom 
It's not causative. It's just the physiological response to the fear and uneasiness of the sense of being separate, a separate something. We'd normally take the ego to be causative. I mean, everything is blamed on the ego as such. Yeah. And you're saying quite the contrary. No, it's it's a response to that fake news, to that energetic sense that there is a centre, mm. which which came, that energetic sense was way before language began. Through suffering, through that, that symptom gets quite sick of itself. Here, the only words I can put on it is it can get diseased and it can actually, that symptom can wreak havoc. I mean, we can see it all over the world. Well, but possibly, John, again, it's not a symptom. Perhaps it's it's the design of, of that utility protocol, that edge protocol. Hmm. It's designed, that evolutionary survival protocol is to keep you moving. Okay. To replicate. So what it doesn't want is for John to be a happy, blissed out chappy sat under a tree contemplating his navel for months at a time, having a wonderful orgasm, because he'll become food for another edge. Yeah. Which is dissatisfied, which is moving, which is hungry. So it wouldn't have had a survival advantage. The body's natural setup is to survive. And then what you're saying is there is a systematic response to that body's survival. Yeah, the, the design of that utility protocol, that edge protocol to survive, is designed to keep Paul, to keep John, to keep the organism in a level of imbalance. It's a bit like walking. The system has to keep itself in, in a degree of imbalance to allow walking to, to happen. If there's too much balance, the body won't move. If there's too much imbalance, the body will fall over, which becomes a threat to its survival. So it has to, it's learned to maintain just enough, ideally, just enough dissatisfaction or imbalance, however you want to word it, to make sure the organism moves into the next thing, the next thing, what's next, what's next. Because in the movement to what's next, with the promise that that might be the answer or it might remove this sense of dissatisfaction, has proved to be, with regard to the replication of those patterns, advantageous. So what happens for Paul? What's the difference between Jimmy, whose systematic leanings are working quite well, and there's a symptom that's working there? And what's the difference between him and you? Is that still happen for you or what? The, the, the movement. The actual locus. That you, you the edge protocol functions exactly the same. But what about the locus of control, the actual centre? But the, the 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 energetic sense of a, that prediction that there must be a sensor, a centre is like the prediction that there must be a separate something called an apple, or a tree, or time or space. Uh, language will go so far now. It's like all those edges sing their edgelessness, their absence as not being what they appeared to be. It's a bit like if you if we were sat by the ocean having our coffee, John, and we saw thousands of waves on this ocean. Are there waves or is there, are, is there just water? Could you say the waves are causing the water? No, the waves would be sort of like a verb. Yeah, it's just water. So there's just ocean appearing as a pool, moving, or as an apple, or as a tree, or as time, or space, or birth, or death, or waking, or dreaming, or sleeping, or a thought, or a feeling. It's the same isness appearing as all those crazy, crazy things. How does it feel for you if you weren't using words to describe it? But there's no feeling and there's no knowledge because those things are not needed. They are, both those things are relational. Again, knowledge is, is the relationship between two edges. But the, pa- the paradox here in this sort of drunken conversation is that this intrinsic isness has no relationship to, to another edge. There's no other. 
So there's no time, there's no space for it to be in a relationship with, and yet it can appear to be a football, time, space, John, Paul. But it's, there's only water. There was no separate something called a wave that was ever born. There was just water, ocean, whatever word you want to give this. And you did mention it didn't start. It's hard to fathom that this never began, that the ocean never began. It can't be, because it can't be measured. It can't be acknowledged in the way that this edge protocol functions, the way the five senses in the brain and language, which is born out of movement. It's just an enhancement of movement, really. It's, again, this is designed, the five senses, the brain, language is, is designed for a different for a different purpose. It's designed for replication, don't die. It's designed for simplicity. It's designed for reproducibility, that the maps can be replicated very quickly and with language can then be shared. So we have our, in a sense, our our physiological evolution, which then grows into our, our shared cultural evolution. So those edges which had most significance to our physiology become things through this predictive mechanism of a centre. And those things which had most significance we share, and they tend to then to be the most significant, significant ones become beliefs, and shared beliefs become self-supporting. And in those hierarchy of beliefs, the ones which had most importance, again, became our cultural, social truths. So the same pattern, in a way, is, is being replicated. Whether you're talking simply how, a, how the five senses work or how our, our, the way we culturally process the information in an effort to predict the best way to move. That survival, apparent survival instinct is running amok for a lot of people so a lot of people they really are in despair because the head is taken over and they haven't heard of any relief from that you could say you know um a lot of the time people are driven towards seeking a way out how did what would you say to those people that are looking for enlightenment looking for a way out that are seekers that are reaching the end of the path that are totally in despair and they say what am I doing on this crazy path I'm on how did you see the ocean what what would you say to these people again there's just ocean there's no sense that there are separate some things called people there's no gap for the for there to be a subject a separate something subject and a separate something object so within the context of a conversation with a, in a funny old way, you could say there's a, we were both walking along, there's this wave called John and there's this another wave called Paul. And John says to Paul, hello, mate. Uh, I'm feeling a bit rough today. I'm really thirsty. I need to find water. And there's this wave called Paul saying, oh, it's possibly, it's already, you've already got it. And, John says, no, this isn't it. I know this. I know I know this. This is just an apple. This is just a body. These are just thoughts. These are just sensations. These are just waves. I'm just a wave. So how does the wave just become the ocean? Wow, that's another nonsensical question. <laughs> I'm being a devil's advocate here a lot of the time. Was there ever a separate something called a wave ever born or was there only timelessly just ever water trying to describe life here is impossible well nobody can describe it is it a bit like trying to describe electricity in a way well the electric is more like i use it that electricity is is the knowledge is the utility protocol the edge protocol that's how knowledge time and space arises it's like if you get a battery, there's, where's the electricity? Well, the electricity isn't in the positive pole. It isn't in the negative pole. It isn't in the space between. But you put those edges together and suddenly you've got the big bang. You've got time and space. You've got knowledge. But it's not located in anything specific. There's no knowledge located specific. There's no life 
specifically located in John. The life, the knowledge, only comes when the edge called John comes in relationship to another edge called the, the world, the environment. That's how the knowledge John arises and the knowledge of all else arises in that apparent gap between two things. And what we're drunkenly talking about, the intrinsic isness, has no edges, is non-relational. So it can't, has no knowledge. It has no need of that movement called knowledge. It has no need of a big bang. So that movement called knowledge, in a way, is the one thing that that knowledge can't knowledge, is its own absence, is the gaplessness inherent and intrinsic in its very movement, in its very appearance. So it's always stumbling forward. Yes, it's designed to stumble forward and never be and never be satisfied. So if it stopped, still, it would be the end of it. There'd be no movement. That reminds me, Paul, you went into a monastery, talk about being still. Uh, I meant to ask you that. It just came into my mind there. Why did you go to the monastery and what happened there? So the idea of being a professional football player didn't make any, didn't have any meaning. Still loved playing football, but had, but that wonderment that I spoke about, that's like falling in love with the, with the, this ocean, just set it off on a, on a court. Just went, oh, I wonder if anybody else, because it's so bloody obvious, you know, that, you know, and I found a, um, I can't remember, a, a book, and I think it had a, um, a like a label in. And uh, and, it, uh, and I, I contacted them and said, oh, can I come and you seem to be chatting about or talking this book. I think the book was on um, Upanishads. I'd gone to London, that's it. I'd gone to London and looked around bookshops to see if there was anybody talking about this, this luminosity, this ocean. And I found this book and I went there and spoke. It, was a, it happened to be a monastery and uh, the the guy, the abbot in charge. So something very naturally has happened to you. It'd be good for you to come and stay here. And I said, oh, great. So I went there and I just, it was just so much fun being there. And looking back, it exposed me to, because it was like, um, it was, it wasn't like a religious monastic setup. It was like trying to bring together uh, world religions. Um, like Back then it was like, behind closed doors, really, to, to talk with each other, to find common ground and so forth. I felt to me like I, I travelled the world, really, just by being in that building, because everybody came from, you know, Asian religions, you know, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, from the Vatican, from the Catholic Church, the Church of England, all talking their, their stories, really, their maps. And it was there I realised, really, you know, how powerful this edge protocol is in, in putting the attention onto maps and we fight over our maps of, of the underlying uh, landscape, as it were, while missing the, the, the love affair of the, of the landscape. That's all very poetically put, but that's what it felt like. Did you meditate a lot in the monastery or did you read books or get information? No, I've or... never been a, a book reader. I find it difficult, but I sit and I could sit for days. <laughs> In the, you'd sit for days, literally days. I could, yeah, I could sit for for ages. And would you be there? What would happen? Did you go into a samadhi or? It was just wonderment. <laughs> that that there was there was there was wonderment that this ocean could 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 appear to be a, be a tree, could appear to be these fingers, a thought, a sensation, and the one, but. Basically, the wonderment that nothing, no thing has ever been born. Where were you seeing that from? You know, there's no seeing it. It's itself. It's self luminous. It's self obvious. It's the only song. It's the only song in this universe. <laughs> it's the one verse. When the seeing happened, it was happening there. There must be a centre or or something. There must be a mental commentary or... But with regard to this luminosity, there's, there's no mental commentary at all with regard to this luminosity. There's just mental commentary with regard to edges, to living life, and, and the, the patterns and the preferences that are in my character from my 
my tribe, as it were, my family's background and so forth, that have been replicated within my character. It's all very magically simple. But you're describing quite an astounding state of being, really, to be too simple. It could be that simple. What do you mean by astounding? It seems like you are astounded by appearances and it's a bit like you're trying to... I heard you kind of say it's a bit like nothing was seeing something and there was a falling into that seeing. But that's quite astounding hearing that someone say that. That was the desc- that's the description of that moment, as it were. You have to be really careful of words because we are... I have to say, we're just two drunks now having a conversation about a party that we didn't attend <laughs> and trying to describe it <laughs> in, in our inebriated, you know, we're drunk on time and space. I've never heard it put that way before. But it's true because nothing happened in the sense of one thing falling into another thing because there was, there was never two things in that sense. There was only one thing or just... It's only this. And this includes that that edge called time. What we're talking about, it might sound I'm talking about something which happened in the past, but I'm describing this, which is timeless, which has no reference to the past or the future. Is there an energy? Can it be transmitted? Is there an energy about the falling away of the person. There's an energy that can often be, again, there's no rules, but I've often seen this quite, there can be an energetic sort of release in the body in the sense that the character will just cry or, or laugh. <laughs> they'll, never, they'll, never put, they'll never create a sentence. They'll never try to language this. It'll always just be like an energetic of laughter, swearing, or tears. And again, thoughts, again, because they're born out of time and space, are late to the party. Thoughts come way after and then try to describe or put into relationship what wasn't relational, which wasn't a happening in time and space. Has this taken a toll on, on you, Paul, on your body or your way of life? Well, it changed. Yeah, I could have been a professional football player. I could have had name and fame and money and, and women and and uh, lots of money. So, yeah, it's, it buggered up that possibility. But energetically, would, would things, how, how are you now? Like health-wise? Again, again there's, I was speaking to people over sort of like, a lot, quite a few years now. There's no rules to this. I've seen times when there's hardly a ripple occurs within the character that even their 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 wife or husband wouldn't even notice. And the other extreme is that the pattern to replicate called the body will not replicate anymore. It's like the wind goes out of the sail, as it were. And that pattern we call the body will not maintain that pattern. In other words, it'll just die. Have you any fear of death? Again, I I can try to answer the question, but the question is, was there ever a separate something ever born? So the, the measurement or the sense of death in the way you ask it has no makes no sense yeah as i say there's no other way to ask it but the body will eventually go which which body are you talking about well everybody <laughs> in, you know in that sense death you know you're, one hand you're holding life and one hand you're holding death always without death you can't have life so in, in a poetic way death is already your best friend <laughs> He never leaves you. She never leaves you. Have we got it the wrong way around, Paul, about life, birth and, uh, and death? To lose our sense of self, to lose the body is nirvana, freedom. There's 
there's not a finality to that. Because there never was a there never was a beginning to it. Again, all these things, all these sort of edges drop away. They don't have any any meaning. There is nothing, there's no fatality to anything. Is life pointless? Life is the only English words is have the flavour is life is freedom. And freedom is free to have a point. It can be free to be whatever. So it can be points. Yeah, it can point. And yet, what is that point, really? That edge we call point? It's nothing other than the ocean. So everything is allowed. Everything is allowed. Even that doesn't get off the ground because there is no separate something to be allowed or disallowed. Yeah. There's no gap in this, in this love, in this existence, in this whatever words. There's no gap. There's, there isn't even freedom. In, in the way that people normally... Yeah, there isn't anything. Because <laughs> we can't use that word unless we reference it to the opposite, in a way, or to something else. So in the way... In a way, words can be used which are accurate... But that's not the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. It's it can't capture this. It's yeah. like there is no separate something. There's no separate someone. Those words are accurate. Yeah. But it's 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 more simple than that. <laughs> that those words don't actually hold this. But as close as words can get. Because you could also say, yes, there's only you. You could, yeah. So there's actually nothing you can say, really, about... No, nothing at all. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And there's nothing that needs to be said. And whatever we say is singing it. So we could we could literally be talking about football yeah. or coffee. And that's, that's, that's it. Talking about, you know, there's no something which is non-duality there's no something which is duality there's no something which is a not me or no something which is a me we just get into a drunken conversation which just goes in round in a loop do you ever get tired of talking about this it's like what i said earlier about time is just another edge so that means this conversation talking about this is is immaculate is brand new it has no previous to it <laughs> honest gov i've got no previous <laughs> yeah it's immaculate you know that's a bit like you remind me. You remind me there. The mind can be good cop, bad cop. It can be the the thief and the policeman. You know, like yeah, yeah. Oh, constantly. It's yeah. it's it's constantly in that neurotic duality. Really, that's because that's how it functions. And it's you know, it's not only a jungle out there. It's also a jungle in there because it's one. You know, there's no in and out. Again, these are just utility edges. They're designed to replicate, to survive. Has a teacher ever kind of helped you along the way, do you think, or helped anyone? Because, again, there are no teachers and there are no students. So there is no, no, like... (laughs) The wave called John that wants to be more wet or find his wetness can't be helped because he already is what is being looked for. It's already the case. So nobody can help a John wave or a Paul wave to become wet. So we need to, be, we need to become helpless. Like, <laughs> like, well, no, it's again, that's just another, another shenanigan. Yeah. Shenanigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of like anything but this looking for, you know, something else because this, what this is, isn't good enough. Yeah. 
there must be something else and yeah yes yeah. which That's is the more. design of that protocol mm -hmm. and so anything that's read or heard is very much with language, is very much a two-edged sword, really. It probably creates as much clarity as confusion, as much creation as destruction. What about the neti-neti approach? What do you think of that? I mean, it's quite popular, you know, take the ego out by the root. And... Well, if, if the character wants to, you know, the design of the character has got to keep moving, so as far as I'm concerned, because I prefer less violence, this is my character to more violence. For some characters, that seems to encourage less violence within their characters towards themselves, towards others, as it were. Yeah, I never heard that before. So you think it's like violence, the nitty nitty approach by, by students to themselves? I'm sorry to tell you this, but every movement is violent. You, you, in a sense, the fake news, the birth of that fake news was born out of a lie. So it was born out of a kind of violence. So the very nature of, careful of my words, the very nature of that fake news is to be violent. It's just a question of degree. Wow. You cannot create without destroying. The nitty-nitty approach would be to drop what's fake and be in your true nature. How is that violent? I mean, ultimately it isn't violent. But... but what happens if there's no gap between the edge called fake and the edge called real <laughs> or true or whatever? Well, that leads me to the question, is there any difference between a Buddha and a bank robber? Again, depends on how you're, the context of your question. As in the two polar opposites? As in for someone being enlightened and not enlightened, there's no difference ultimately. So if I have if I have one wave here, which is a little a little wave, a nice smooth wave, and another wave over here, which is a, which is a bigger, more <clears throat> wave, is there any difference in the wetnesses, in the wetness no. of huh. those two waves? So yes, there is a difference. No, there isn't a difference. The answer is yes or no. Yeah. Because you're coming from the fact of the wetness, the ocean, as such. From from as the such. only thing that's in town. Yeah. It's the only show in town. So the violent the violent wave is just an appearance along with the the, the surfer's wave. Yeah, the, the smooth wave, the violent wave. and. Paul, why do you do talks and things? We're coming to the end of the show, but you do talks and things still, yeah? I remember seeing you in Dublin once. And... Yeah, yeah, Um because I get asked, and I still have this one. My character has this wonderment, this love affair. So if you press it, that's what comes out, basically. It's the only thing that comes out. And you just love to share this message. Is it a message or just a fact? Or? Well, it's, no, it's just it's singing. It's singing, singing. Like, it's singing a song. And it's not, there's no sense of sharing it, even. It's just, there's no gap for there to be a sharing. It's more simple than all. You could dress them up and in that sort of drunken way and we could have good fun with those stories, but it's not like that. But we could certainly go to a party and dress up as those characters. <laughs> what we do is that's part of the dance and part of the play. So there's no message even. But there's no mover to have a message. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just a paradoxical conversation, really. That's singing, that there's no gap. There's no gap between the words and the silence. Mm. There's no gap between the speaker and the listener. That the silence and the words are not two. That the speaker and the listener are not two. And that's it. That's all, folks. That's it. That's all, folks. <laughs> that's <laughs> the whole secret of the universe delivered there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> the song but of the universe even though i'm laughing about it as such mm -hmm. there's here it feels like it's really you know it there's some sort of knowing uh, in it you know yeah there is a um i call it the underbelly all these sort of conversations 
is that they can be highly disruptive to the to that edge protocol, to that utility, to that identity protocol. And that's, you know, in in one sense, again for my character, it's not okay. Because <laughs> it can be it can be a you know, to put it mildly, a huge pain in the ass to have this itch in the body. It's like the genie's out of the bottle and it's mischievous, it's disruptive, and it can't be put back in the bottle. Yeah. It's a bastard. It can't be put back in the bottle. And it yeah, it can be hugely disruptive to for that identity, for that character. So don't mind the gap. You see a sign that says mind the gap. So don't mind the gap, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no gap no gap gonna appear to be a gap paul i really enjoy talking to you and you know thank you you know <laughs> and I'd like to mention if somebody wants to get in contact with you they can reach you at this email is that correct it's called onefreedom.song at gmail.com that's correct yes okay i'll put it in the description below okay thank you john Thanks, Paul. And if anybody wants to donate to the, the podcast, please do uh, and subscribe to to keep us going. Paul, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, keep singing that song. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because some, it's some people, some people, some people say more and other people just slap you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. What to say? And it's, yeah. as they okay. say, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. <laughs> that's all, folks. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we very much hope you enjoyed us. If you did, please subscribe for more on your chosen platform. And also, if you'd like to keep in contact, please hit us up on social media. So, folks, until next time, please take care, and we hope you join us soon.